Could we continue in our series this morning, Tweet That Mess? We believe that while Jesus was here on earth, he said some things that were pretty powerful, things that were, were worth us listening to, uh, digesting, things that were worth us just living our lives according to. Makes sense to you? And so what we're doing over the next few weeks is unpacking some of these big, famous sayings of Jesus that we believe are, are, are worth getting out to the world to let them know what Jesus said, but more importantly, how that might affect us in the days and times in which we live. And we have another one today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the, in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 8. And I want to begin reading in verse 34. By the way, for those of you that are like, man, where are the sermon notes? We have a, on your Bible app, uh, uh, it's, it's um, version. We, we have all of our notes, all of our scripture every week. If you will just log on to version and under a live event, you'll find 1910 Church and, and all of the notes and, and scripture and everything will be there for you. You can take notes on your phone or your tablet. Um, you can bring your PC in. We don't care, um, but just, just bring it in and you can follow along with us. But I want to begin reading one of these big things that Jesus said that might be a little bit confusing when you look at it. It, it, it might not just make perfect sense, but today I want to look at it. And I want us to unpack it and see what it might mean for us today. Verse 34, Mark chapter 8, Jesus says this. Calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul, is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Here in this passage, Jesus is highlighting that the eternal and spiritual dimension is more important than this temporary physical world in which we live in. And here's what we hope that you will grasp this morning in the study of God's Word. That those who choose to follow Jesus' teaching will make physical sacrifices for spiritual rewards. Did you catch that? Those who choose to follow the teachings of Jesus will make physical sacrifices for spiritual rewards. Jesus here in Mark chapter 8 says that in order for us to truly follow him, if any man or woman or boy or girl, if anyone would come after him, it's going to require something. He uses the phrase taking up your cross. What is that all about? Sometimes, you know, in our culture, even today, we, we will say that we all have crosses to bear, right? I mean, my, my cross is maybe my supervisor or my boss at work, 
Or my cross is a health problem that I'm dealing with. Or my cross is this relative, not mine, because I love all of my family members. (laughs) But I think that in our day and age, we have lost the true meaning of the cross. Now, if you were living in first century Jerusalem and and if you saw someone surrounded by by Roman guards and and if you saw them carrying down a a cross down the street, normally it was was the cross beam. They they were normally required to to carry that that cross beam down the street. If you saw that, there would be no question in your mind where that person was going. That that person was about to be taken outside of the city. That that person was going to be laid on the cross and crucified. No mistaking. Someone carrying a cross was someone that was about to die. And so here in Mark chapter 8, when when Jesus is speaking to his disciples and it says that he's invited the crowd, the people that were with him that day, to to also come and and, and listen to what he was about to say. When when, when Jesus says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you you must turn from your selfish ways. I know that that has nothing to do with us today in our day and age, but that was what they were dealing with back then. They were selfish. Any selfish people in the house today? Raise your hand. Or maybe you're sitting, are you sitting next to someone that's selfish? Just point them out right now. The camera up here is going to capture this and we'll follow up this week. But Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you've got to give up your selfish ways and then you must take up your cross if you're going to come after me. So when Jesus said that, his disciples and the people living in that culture really understood what he meant. Hey, church, listen, to pick up the cross and follow Jesus, it means to be willing to go anywhere and do anything for the Lord. That's what it means. To pick up the cross and follow Jesus, it means that I'm willing to go anywhere you want me to go, Lord. And Lord, whatever you call me to do, I'm willing to do it. If you want me, Lord, to go to an 830 worship service... And if you want me to serve that next hour in kids' ministry or front of house greeting people or see, if that's what it is, I'm taking up the cross and following you, right? For some of you, getting here at 830 is taking up a cross, isn't it? In fact, this sounds like torture, doesn't it? In fact, some of you are thinking about going to another church right now, aren't you? But they understood what the cross meant. And what I want us to see that when we say that we're going to follow Jesus and when Jesus says to do so, you've got to take up your cross. Church, listen, that means that we're willing to do whatever he calls us to do. Is that making sense to anybody today? Sometimes that's not fun though, is it? Sometimes it's not so pleasant. I I just wish Jesus would call me to do the things that I really want to do. Those, those, Those easy things. No sweat required type stuff, right? People that just look good and smell nice. Those are the people that I want to spend time rubbing shoulders with, right? To be a disciple, true follower means that I will go and do anything that the Lord calls me to do. It means that you want God to do his will in you. It means that you want God to do his will 
through you. Hey, church, let me remind you, there is a cost to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. There is. But can I just tell you something? The end results are worth it. There's a cost. They understood that it was costly. But I'm telling you, the end results are worth it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I've yet to meet someone who truly has surrendered their will and their lives to Christ and regret it. That person who's truly walking with the Lord and allowing this, I've truly, I've never met someone who's truly living this thing called the Christ. I've said, you know what? That's been a waste of my life here on earth. No. Has it always been fun and easy? Not necessarily. Has it been challenging? You bet you. I recently heard of a, of a business executive who, who said one day, he said, I spent my entire life climbing the corporate ladder only to find when I got to the top that my ladder was leaning against the wrong building. I have wasted my life with trivia. Hmm. Let me ask you this morning, are you passionately pursuing Jesus Christ? Passionately pursuing Jesus Christ. Hey, church, listen, can I, don't waste your life on trivial pursuits. When, when, when you have right now, this very moment, you have at your fingertips, the Lord of life is standing ready to guide you into to greater depths. Hey, the Lord wants to do greater things than y'all. He wants to give you a meaningful lifestyle. In fact, he said it one day, it's an abundant life. Amen. Life that is off the chain. It's the best one out there. That's what Jesus wants to do for you. And I'm telling you, when you, when you surrender to him completely, it is the ride of your life. It is absolutely fulfilling. It is great. But make no mistake about it. To be a disciple of Jesus means to pursue him. It's much like the pursuit of a lover. It's much like the, the, the passion of a romance. You, you remember those days, don't you? For some of you, maybe it's hard to remember those days, but there's probably been a time in which most of us in our lifetime can remember pursuing someone that we thought was just absolutely incredible. You remember that? We guys oftentimes call it the hunt. We're so barbaric. You know, it's like Captain Caveman just dragging women by the hair and just, why, we guys need to, and, and we need to be men. men. Men need to be men. But we also need to be tender a little bit, you know? You remember those days? Because I'm telling you, when we pursue Christ, it's much like a reminder to me that that effort and energy that I went into pursuing my wife. She's the only person I've ever loved. Just giving my life to. Only girl I've ever dated in college. Um, Just knew. But I remember those days. I was consumed with her. I was consumed with wanting to know what would bring her pleasure. I was consumed with with making her. I wanted her. I didn't care what anyone else said. I wanted her to be proud of me and my efforts and what I was doing. I wanted her to be delighted in what I was doing. 
Do you pursue Christ that way? For a lot of us, let's, can we be honest? For a lot of us, Jesus is just kind of, that's what I'm going to do on Sunday. And I'm not going to pick up his word. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to be around other people. I'm not going to listen to a podcast. I'm not going to watch God TV. Um, I don't watch that either, but I just I don't know. There is a, but I'm not going to do anything in this pursuit of him. I'm not going to do anything until they force me to on Sunday at nine o'clock, soon to be 830 for you. Can I just tell you something, church? Christ is worth every thought and breath. He's worth it. And for those of you today that are kind of dilly-dallying around, I don't know if that's appropriate uh, English or grammar, but for those of us that are kind of just playing around with being a follower of Jesus, I'm tell- can I just tell you, hey, stop it. He's worth it. He- he's worth everything you've got. Does anybody believe that? You see, in Jesus, you will find your reason for living. You will. And remember this, he gives you his spirit. Did we not just pray and sing that? Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Is he really? Is he? Is he welcome in your home? Is he welcome on Tuesday when there's nothing good on TV? Is he welcome in your relationships, your your friendships? Is he welcome there? Or are those just words to sing from a screen? Remember, he gives you his spirit. But can I tell you, he wants you to give him your body and your mind and your soul. Wow, he's worth it. He's worth it. Anybody believe that? In, in verse 35 of this, of this passage that I just read to you, Jesus says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. It's a little confusing. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. You heard me share a few weeks back, and I just want to reiterate it. The Christian life has always been a high-risk life. We don't think about that. And most people don't share that with us. Just come to Jesus. Just come to Jesus. He's waiting here today. Just give your life to Jesus. And, and, And no one really explains the risk of following Jesus, do they? Hey, you want to have a great life here on earth? Just come to Jesus. Hey, you want to have a life eternal in heaven? Just come to Jesus. Who doesn't want those things? I I don't get why people don't want the best life on earth and the best life after earth. Why wouldn't you want that? Sign me up. But no one ever explains this to you, do they? No no one ever talks about the dangers or or the repercussions of, of you following Jesus. No one ever explains that. It has always been a high risk life. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not for people who are just interested, maybe kicking the tires to some latest fad out there. It's not just about the afterlife. I'm telling you, living for Jesus is risky. It should be risky. 
you know, we don't take many risks with the gospel. Most of us in this room, and, and just listen to, you know I love you. I love you, even if some of you I don't know. But I love people, and I desire God's very best for people. But can I talk to you a little bit? There's not many of us listening right now to this stellar sermon that I'm preaching. There's not many of us that are willing to take a risk for Jesus. You know what I see today? I see more of us being willing to stand up and speak up more for our favorite sports team. So some of you hoot and hollered more yesterday that, that the Spurs signed LaMarcus Aldridge you, than, than you did that, hey, Jesus woke me up today and it's a great day to be alive. Amen. Or, hey, he put food on my table. Or you know what? He saved a wretch like me. Any wretches in the house today that have been saved by the blood of Jesus? When's the last time you thanked him for that stuff? We don't stand up and speak up for that. We'll yell for a sports team. We'll paint our bodies. When's the last time you came painted as a crusader for Jesus to church? Somebody paint themselves next Sunday and not be ashamed. But we'll do that. We'll take a greater risk and stand up and speak up more for, for our inalienable rights. The right to bear arms. Some of you, some of you, some of you, man, you're going you're, you're gonna to be more concerned about bearing arms than you are about spreading the gospel. You, you'll throw that NRA sticker on your window, but you won't put your church sticker up there. You're missing out on gift cards and balloons. You saw it. You know what I mean? It's almost like we're embarrassed. Oh, I, what are you doing Sunday, man? We're going to the lake and we're going to play golf and, and we're going to throw some color. I got to go to church. She's making me. I want to keep her happy. When will some real men stand up and say, you know what, bro? I love Jesus. And I'm consumed with him, and I can't get enough, and I'm going to the house. I want to be there. We'll stand up and speak up more for various expressions of sin than we will about our Jesus, who's the most interesting man in the world. They'll make commercials, and Homeboy is making millions of dollars because of his stylish beard but we will not promote and speak of Jesus. I think he's the most interesting man in the world. But heaven forbid any of us stand up and defend his name and to speak for him. Heaven, heaven forbid for any of us to stand up and, 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 and be known as, as men or women of the word of God. It's risky living for Christ. But not too many of us today want to take risk. Am I talking to anybody? I think of men like Barnabas and Paul in the Bible who, as it says in Acts chapter 15, says they were men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, to have more men like that, willing to risk their lives. And, and, and you know that today in many countries, there are still Christians that are risking their lives for following Jesus. You know that, right? You thought it was, was hard for you to fight traffic on this crazy Sunday morning traffic drive 
to get here. Do you know that there are some that are really laying their lives down for the sake of the gospel? Risks. In our culture, you may not run the risk of, of being killed for your faith. But can I tell you something? You will run the risk of having your faith rejected by others. Sometimes that's enough to make most of us as Christ followers silent. We, we don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. We don't want to offend anybody. As, as, as one of the pastors reminded me this morning, we want to be liked on social media. We want people to follow us. And so I'm not ever going to say anything that would have somebody unfriend me or unfollow me. I want millions of people to like me. Like, like, like. And we're not going to do anything. We, we will reject Christ in order to be accepted by man. And does anybody know? Does that make sense? So many of us do. We just want to fit in. We just want to be one of the boys. We just want to be invited to, to the parties or to the, we just want to fit in. When someone stands up against us or, or persecutes us for, for, why is it okay for everyone else to rant and rave about what they believe that's not the truth? And when we as people of the truth stand up for what is the truth, why is it that we get persecuted and, and it's just unacceptable any longer? Why? But you know what will happen? Some of us won't speak the truth. Because we don't want to offend anybody. I love what Bishop T.D. Jakes said one time. He said, if you're not offending anyone, you're not preaching the gospel. The gospel's offensive. It is. Because a sinful world does not want to hear the truth. And I'm just going to tell you something. Listen, I, I like for people to like me too. I want to be accepted. I want you to invite me to hang out. I want to be to walk in and to a place where everybody knows your name. I want that too. But I'm telling you something, man, I, I believe this and I am always going to hold this high above anything that I want or prefer or what I like. This is the truth. Now I'm going to share it hopefully in a loving way. But guys, we've got to represent the truth. Are you with me today, church? I love that. We can't compromise that. But so many of us are afraid of rejection. So many of us choose not to reveal our Christian convictions. Listen, I believe that we need to be men and women with enough courage to take a stand for our Christian faith, even if that will invite rejection at times. Guys, we've got to be prepared to take a few knocks for the gospel. We've got to be prepared to take a, a few blows for, for what we believe. 2 Timothy 1.12, but I am not ashamed of it, Paul says, for I know the one in whom I trust. Do you remember the words to the song we just sang a while ago? God of miracles, he's already won the victory. It's ours it's ours. Let's start living like the victors, can we? Can we start living like the team that wins, the team that dominates? Can we not be afraid and can we live victoriously? When you are convinced of what you believe, you can handle that opposition. That
it's going to come. Mm. Don't let the fear of rejection silence you. Be prepared to take a risk. Speak up for your faith, even if it does invite rejection. That's what Jesus was telling his, his followers in Mark chapter 8. You see, here's what I believe. Christians are the citizens of heaven. And while we are on earth, we ought to behave like heaven's citizens. We should. We're going to behave ourselves as godly men and women. And when we do, we honor God. We're going to live righteously and according to God's word. And in that, he's going to bless us in ways that we will not fully understand. When we seek righteousness in our lives, listen, when we seek the companionship of those who do likewise, we will reap spiritual rewards from God. Those rewards that he intends for us to enjoy. We are going to live like citizens of heaven. And we ought to behave like heaven's citizens. There's something in the church that, that, that threatens this. And it's a word called relevance. Now listen, when we planted this church nine years ago, September will be nine years for us. When we started this church, we wanted a relevant church. That, that, that word relevance means, means it's closely connected or appropriate to the matter at hand. We, we wanted to be able to relate to people that were far from God. We wanted to teach and speak to things that were going on in our culture. We wanted the gospel to be understandable. We want people when they leave here today to say, you know what? That made sense to me, and I think that there's something that I can apply to my life. We do. And so we want to be relevant. We do. But in, our, in, 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 in a church's pursuit of being relevant... We've kind of blended in with culture. We've probably been a little bit more accepting to accepting, and it's caused us to compromise the truth. Are you with me? You see, the relevance of a church is not found in its surrendering to the culture, but its transformation of culture. There's a difference there. We're about life change and changing a culture. I, I, I don't want to just impact. I want to influence our city for the sake of the gospel. When you influence someone, you change the way they think. You change the way they act. You change the way they treat others. You change the way they respond to things. I want us to influence. We're going to be relevant, yes, but we will never surrender to culture. Any student of church, of church history knows that whenever doctrine or conviction or creed, when, when they have been abandoned in order to mirror the culture, it has led to the church's demise. And that's what's happening in these United States of America. Listen, we do not gain the world's attention through a compromised voice but a prophetic one. Throw that screen up for me, media team. I need it. Do we have that one? No. I'm going to say it again. We do not gain the world's attention through a compromised voice, but a prophetic one. 
do we believe this is truth? Do we believe in the rabbi that said, come and follow me? Will we? Will we follow him? Even when it's not popular. Even when government says, you can act like this and you can do this. Will we? Or will we stay true to this word? No one would argue the need for an attractive, appealing, and compelling voice for Christ. Not even me. But not for the sake of the truth. Not for the sake of the truth. I love what Spurgeon said. I think I have this one. A pure theology and a loose morality will never mix. A pure theology. It's easy for me to stand up and say, be people of the word and of the truth. But then for me to go live like the devil, that doesn't mix. Doesn't work. Church, we've got to know what we believe. And so listen, to follow Christ, yes, you face rejection. But remember, he was rejected too. He was rejected by his own people. And he was rejected for you. I asked you last week, is the gospel worth dying for? Are your lost friends worth dying for? Are the people around you that do not have a relationship with Christ, is it worth you standing and living out the gospel in front of them with the hopes of them coming to receive your Jesus? Are they worth it to you? You were worth it to Jesus. And he was willing to throw that crossbeam on his shoulders that day and be paraded through the city with people scorning him and mocking him, spitting on him, making fun. He was willing to do that for you. Are we willing to do that for others? Now, listen, when, when we're saved by Christ, we, we can, if we choose, become very passive as Christ follows. We, we can become passive. We can sit back. We can be secure in our salvation and, and we can let others, you know, spread the healing message of Jesus. But to do that, I believe, is wrong. Instead, we're to, commanded to be disciples. We're commanded to deny ourselves and to take up our cross and to follow the one who has saved us. Well, does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet lose his soul? If any man would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Church, listen, it's time for us to stop being flip-floppers. It's time for us to stop praising the name of Jesus and lifting our hands up and saying, we believe the word and we believe you, Jesus. We time for us to stop pro professing that in this hour and then living so unlike him the rest of our lives. Amen. It's time for the church to rise up. Our country needs us. This city needs us. Your lost friends need to know the truth. They need someone who's willing to live this out. We're going to love, absolutely. And it's that love that compels us to deliver this. Lord, I want to pray 
for us and for our country, for our nation. Lord, I'm praying for the church that we would no longer be the sleeping giant. But God, that we would wake up. That we would know that the same power that conquered the grave lives within us and wants to work through us to do great and mighty things. Father, let us take up our cross and follow you. God, let us realize that the eternal spiritual things are really the only things in life that matter. Not this wood, hay, and stubble stuff that we spend so much of our life pursuing. God, I pray that the gospel would be worth it to us. That we would share it with others. In Jesus' name, amen.